Two numbers have been rolling around in my brain since I got news of the terror attacks in London last night. The first number is 73. The second number is zero. 73 is the number of days that it took for radicals to enact three horrific terror attacks in the UK. And the number zero is the number of countries or cultures that I can recall throughout history that did two things at the same time. Bomb another country or culture, while at the same time inviting countless military-age men in from those countries or cultures. Uh, It is truly an astonishing phenomenon that in the future, if there is to be such a future, Western historians will look back and wonder, like we look at the Romans and wonder what led in their water, led them to such madness, they will wonder what is in our minds that leads us to such madness. So this is the truth about the London Bridge terrorist attack. On June 3rd, 2017, at approximately 10 p.m. BST, London Metropolitan Police responded to reports of a white van mounting the pavement and plowing through a crowd of pedestrians on London Bridge. Now, what's interesting gives you a sense of the propagandistic universe that you live in. The media, mainstream media, particularly in the UK, is like this kamikaze matrix that's wired directly into your brain. The BBC or other media outlets received video of the attack where the attackers were yelling for Allah and so on, but they did not release it. Now, of course, if there are these alleged chemical attacks by Assad in Syria, boom, you see all those pictures, videos, everything. Dead kid on a beach, videos, everything. But an attack does not serve the leftist narrative. Does not exist. Does not exist. And if it weren't for the internet, would probably never exist. The white van, after mowing down crowds of pedestrians on London Bridge, continued from London Bridge to nearby Borough Market, where the three terrorists exited the vehicle and began stabbing civilians with what were described as 12-inch butcher knives. Civilians. Civilians. Not citizens, not people, but civilians. You know, as in wartime. BBC reporter Holly Jones was on the bridge at the time of the attack and estimated that the van was likely traveling about 50 miles an hour. Quote, he swerved right round me and then hit about five or six people. He hit about two people in front of me and then three behind. Witness Robbie to BBC Radio 5 said, I saw about 20 or 30 people rushing to get back into the pub and five seconds later a big white van came screeching down the pavement. Two or three people had jumped out initially. I I thought it was a road traffic accident, and the people had jumped out to see if anyone was injured, but I could tell immediately they looked very aggressive. A chap ran up, and I heard him shout, He's got a knife! He's stabbing people! Witness Gerard to BBC Radio 5. I saw these three Muslim guys run up and started stabbing this girl. They attacked her and stabbed another guy. They started running up the road, stabbed the bouncer at the tavern. I was throwing bottles at them, pint glasses, stools, chairs, but I was defenseless. They were running up, shouting, this is for Allah. They stabbed this girl maybe 10 times, 15 times. She was going, help me, help me. Pint glasses, stools, chairs, bottles. He was throwing at these attackers, but he was defenseless. 
because European citizens post-Second World War have been disarmed. After two world wars started by royalty, by families uh, within the elites of Europe, after two world wars that killed 50, 60 million people, started by governments, maintained by governments, funded by governments, central banking, after these two world wars, Governments looked at the flaming wreckage of Europe and said, you know, the problem is citizens with guns, not governments with guns, citizens with guns. That's the big problem. So we must disarm the citizens. So uh, then we can pursue our policies without fear of any active or effective self-defense on the part of our citizenry. Witness Steve Gibbs said, a black cab drove past and the driver shouted, terrorist attack, run! They stood up to take a look, and then all of a sudden there were gunshots. Lots of people were screaming. I've never been so scared in my life. Sky News has reported that the first police officer on the scene took on all three terrorists until he was forced to the ground and seriously injured. The officer and former rugby player survived, but reportedly remains in serious condition. British Transport Police Statement, quote, Although he is seriously unwell, he was able to recount how he faced the attackers armed only with his baton outside London Bridge Station. For an officer who only joined us less than two years ago, the bravery he showed was outstanding and makes me extremely proud. All of us at BTP wish him a swift recovery, and I know he will be touched by the hundreds of messages of support from across the UK and the world. Messages of support. This guy armed only with his Baton. See, what happened was this guy and the people throwing bottles at the terrorists didn't really seem to do much damage. However, when police showed up with guns, there was an eight-minute firefight. They shot 50 times, taking down the terrorists and apparently a bystander as well. So it was the guns that solved the problem. Compare this to what happened to jihadis in Texas. 90% of the British police have no guns. Now, the Metropolitan police force covers most of London, was actually started in 1829. And their goal, their ideology, is to police by consent rather than by force. And this is one of the reasons why 90% of the British police have no guns. So they were actually able throughout most of the 19th century to police, according to this, police by consent rather than by force. I will leave it to you to try to rack your brains to figure out what might be different in 2017 versus 1829, other than mindset. Now, one of the reasons that there are so few British police with guns is because British police officers don't want them, some of them. They say, well, we we don't want to sign up for firearms training because we're terrified that if we end up using our guns In a police situation, we're going to spend years being dragged through lengthy investigations. Yes, that's right. Certain groups are in your environment, and apparently the focus and effect has gone airborne and crossed the Atlantic. The three attackers were shot and killed by police within eight minutes of the first call. Seven innocent people died at the scene of the attack, and another 48 injured were taken to five different hospitals, significant number of those remaining critical condition. It is, of course, not Nostradamus' level of prognostication to assume that the death count may very well increase.
One terrorist was photographed wearing what looked like an explosive vest with canisters strapped to his body, but law enforcement are now claiming that the vests were hoaxes. Now, of course, one of the reasons they do that is to keep the police at bay, to keep people from attacking back. That would be my guess. Law enforcement are now claiming. Whether you believe them or not is up to you. Now, originally there were reports of a third incident at Vauxhall, but Scotland Yard claims that that stabbing was unrelated to the terrorist attack. Telegraph journalist Josie Ensor has written, This is exactly what ISIS called for in their Ramadan message, running people over and stabbing people. It looks much more like the attacks that aren't directed or ordered by ISIL, and more like the ones carried out by supporters who likely haven't trained abroad and can't get their hands on weapons or funding. There are two reasons, of course, why a vehicle, particularly a truck, is the weapon of choice. Uh, number one, of course, it does a lot of damage. And number two, it allows the leftist media around the entire world to refer to it as a truck attack. You know, like just some automated truck went haywire and went Skynet. And... On May 27th, the Islamic State published a video message titled, Where are the Lions of War? Quote, Muslim brothers in Europe who can't reach the Islamic State lands attack them in their homes, their markets, their roads, and their forums. Do not despise the work. Your targeting of the so-called innocents and civilians is beloved by us and the most effective. So go forth and may you get a great reward or martyrdom in Ramadan. With the recent attacks in Westminster and Manchester, this incident marked the third major UK terrorist attack in less than three months. Now, according to an unarmed, sorry, unnamed Neighbor, uh, number one, quote, I used to play table tennis with one of these suspected terrorists in the lobby of the apartment. I can't believe it. He approached me yesterday and asked me where I hired a van recently. He said he needed one as he was going to move house. He was acting strange yesterday. He was being nicer than normal. I knew he lectured people on the Koran, and there were always people dressed in robes coming in and out of his apartment. He was always nice, but yesterday he was an entirely different level of niceness. Well, I'm sure there are people on London Bridge who would quite agree with that. So this guy, one of these suspected terrorists, really knew the Koran. Hmm. According to unnamed neighbor number two, quote, I often saw him playing table tennis with the guys in the lobby. You could tell from his accent he was either born here or grew up here. But he told me he was from Pakistan. Unnamed neighbor number three. He was always with children. They loved him. He had a good connection with children. I always saw him with his child playing in the park. He played with other children, too. Oh, dear. Pakistani Muslim, always with children. The Metropolitan Police have said, Officers from the Met's Counterterrorism Command have this morning, Sunday 4th June, arrested 12 people embarking East London in connection with last night's incidents in London Bridge and the borough market area. Searches of a number of addresses in Barking are continuing. According to a neighbor, Ali Nabi, quote, I heard the police shouting, get down, get down. I looked out of my window and they were laid on the floor, all Asian men in black religious robes. One was in his 50s, another had a white beard, the third was in his 30s, and the fourth was younger. They were all laid down with their hands cuffed behind their backs. I think it was someone on the ground floor, but I, I've never seen them. According to witness Tara Milan, 
I saw them bringing them out of the flat opposite around 7 a.m. One man tried to flee and they shot him outside my house. They put him in an ambulance and then the others in a police van. This is all wonderful after-the-fact stuff. Tens of thousands of jihadis in England. Now, this suspected terrorist, according to unnamed neighbor number one, it's important that he was having face-to-face meetings with what this guy described as uh, people dressed in robes. I'm guessing he's not talking about Harry Potter. He's having face-to-face meetings, not on the internet. So you'll be really surprised, or maybe you won't, when you see what Theresa May May has as her solution. London Mayor Sadiq Khan on June 4th, 2017. There are no words to describe the grief and anger that our city is feeling this morning. Sadiq! There really are words to describe it, but you're not going to use them, are you? They're not Mediterranean appearance. They're not Asian. There are other words to describe what is happening. But you're not going to use them now, are you? He goes on to say, Tragically, seven people have been killed in this sickening attack and more than 40 injured, some of them critically. Now, I just want to pause to point out that that this is trying to program you with passive language. The word tragically, this is not tragic. This is evil. This is murder. This is a terrorist attack. Have been killed makes it sound like something collapsed on them. No, they were targeted and murdered. It's not a tragedy. It's evil. And so this tragically seven people have been killed. This is trying to program you with passivity in the face of this information. I'm going to make quite an opposite case to that. He goes on to say, I am appalled and furious that these twisted and cowardly terrorists deliberately targeted innocent Londoners and visitors to our city who were just enjoying their Saturday night. Drinking, I suppose, uh, is what they were doing. Uh, Not unknown to the British Isle. Appalled and furious, you know, this Justin Trudeau here said uh, in Canada, oh, he was heartbroken. Heartbroken. Because that's really how these kinds of things, this is how wars are won throughout history, is, is, is by being sad or appalled or furious emotions. It's not what we vote people in for, is it? I mean, to have feelings. You can have feelings without being voted in. Khan goes on to say, I condemn these terrorists in the strongest possible terms. They are barbaric cowards, and there is absolutely no justification for their evil and unforgivable actions. My thoughts are with the family and friends of the victims and everyone caught up in this horrific attack. And, as per the usual script, my thoughts are with, pray for, hashtag, hashtag, you pound that hashtag until it falls off your damn keyboard. Khan goes on to say, I'd like to thank our emergency services who bravely tackled the terrorists and helped the injured. I've been in close contact with the Met Police Commissioner and senior officers throughout the night and will be attending the government's Cobra security meeting. I'd urge all Londoners to remain calm and vigilant today and over the days ahead. We are all shocked and angry today, but this is our city. We will never let these cowards win and we will never be cowed by terrorism. And then he went to a studio and recorded the names of just about every major British city so it could be inserted into these on a regular basis without him having to do it every single time. So he's saying, go about your business, don't do anything, don't change anything. Great, great. So then there's not going to be any police state monitoring of the internet, right? Because we're just going to continue on as... U.S. President Donald Trump said, we must stop being politically correct and get down to the business of security for our people. 
If we don't get smart, it will only get worse. At least seven dead and 48 wounded in terror attack. And Mayor of London says, there is no reason to be alarmed. We need to be smart, vigilant, and tough. We need the courts to give us back our rights. We need the travel ban as an extra level of safety. Do you notice we are not having a gun debate right now? That's because they used knives and a truck. Now this, when he's referring to Khan's no reason to be alarmed, it was a BBC interview where he talked about beefed-up security measures on the streets of London, and he said, Londoners will see an increased police presence today and over the course of the next few days. There's no reason to be alarmed. No reason to be alarmed. You know, this stiff upper lip, don't panic. Uh, No. No. I'm not saying people need to panic. But uh, the idea that you're, you know, you're walking across a golf course in Florida and a giant alligator charges you, you say, well, you know, I... uh, I'm not going to let the alligator win. Well, if you don't change your behavior, you see, the alligator wins. You understand? (sighs) Nigel Farage. Well, I have a few words to Nigel for in a moment. He said, I understand the man not wanting to spread panic, but I would like him to say, as the first Muslim mayor, I am going to drive radicals out of our mosques. I am going to work to end extremism in our schools. And I didn't hear a word of that. Please don't forget what happened to all those young girls in our northern cities, raped, molested on an industrial scale. And yet we did nothing about it, afraid to offend the Muslim community. We have been hidebound by political correctness. And one of those has been Theresa May. Today, she said enough is enough. I hope she means it. Now, Nigel, 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 you've done a lot engineered Brexit, and you've done a lot to change the conversation. I understand that you quit politics, and I also understand why. I mean, the death threats and constant danger was wearing you down. And I am never one to say how much someone else should pursue or suffer in a particular cause. But you are needed. You know, I, you're the closest thing to Churchill that England has in this conflict, and I don't know that Churchill got to quit in the middle of World War II. It's just my particular thought, but again... It's hard to make those decisions for other people. Sadiq Khan went on to say, one of the things police and all of us need to ensure is that we're as safe as we possibly can be. He said, London will never let the terrorists win. Really? Three attacks in 73 days. Dozens and dozens dead. Scores and scores wounded. And the British government just upped the estimate of jihadis in England from a few thousand to way north of 20,000. Never let the terrorists win? Please tell me how that's not the terrorists winning. Please tell me what it would look like if the terrorists were actually winning that would be different than what is happening. I remain open to being persuaded. Nigel Farage said, To Americans, let this be a warning to you. Your president wants to protect you, yet your judiciary is trying to stop him. If um, President Trump's travel ban had been in effect, then the Manchester attack would almost certainly have never occurred. Let that sink in. The UK very, very keen on banning people like Michael Savage and Pamela Geller from coming to England. 
Labour leader, a.k.a. England's Hillary, Jeremy Corbyn, said, We are all shocked and horrified by the brutal attacks in London. My thoughts are with the families and friends of those who have died and the many who have been injured. Those who wish to harm our people, divide our communities, and attack our democracy will not succeed. We will stand together to defend our common values of solidarity, humanity, and justice, and will not allow terrorists to derail our economic process. Really? Jeremy, how? All sane people with half a brain cell and a half to rub together have a big, big question. How? How are you going to do this? Willpower? Thought? Magic shields? Mind reading? How? Platitudes, platitudes, platitudes. You vote in hollow men, and you're the one who empties out on the streets. German Chancellor Angela Merkel said, Today we are united beyond all borders. Oh yeah, great. Great, please. Be more globalist. Put in a little plug there for no borders, because that's just been working great. She said, Today we are united beyond all borders in horror and sorrow, but also in determination, in the fight against every form of terrorism. What? Every form of terrorism? Is is there a, a prominent one that we're not aware of at the moment, Angela? <sighs> she goes on to say, We stand firmly and with determination at Britain's side. This is all just political speak for our agenda is marching forward as planned and we're just making empty sounds which signal that nothing's going to change. United Kingdom Prime Minister Theresa May said, Last night, our country fell victim to a brutal terrorist attack once again. This is, as we all know, the third terrorist attack Britain has experienced in the last three months. In March, a similar attack took place just around the corner on Westminster Bridge. Two weeks ago, the Manchester Arena was attacked by a suicide bomber. And now, London has been struck once more. And at the same time, the security and intelligence agencies and police have disrupted five credible plots since the Westminster attack in March has experienced, stuff happened, fell victim again. It's trying to program you with language of passivity. Nothing can be done. Things happen. The weather changed. A meteor fell. You know, sometimes pets just die of old age. What can you do? Theresa May went on to say, in terms of their planning and execution, the recent attacks are not connected. But we believe we are experiencing a new trend in the threat we face as terrorism breeds terrorism and perpetrators are inspired to attack not only on the basis of carefully constructed plots after years of planning and training, and not even as lone wolf, lone attackers radicalized online, but by copying one another and often using the crudest of means of attack. We cannot and must not pretend that things can continue as they are. Things need to change, and they need to change in four important ways. I'm going to leave it to you to guess whether this has anything to do with masks or not. First, while the recent attacks are not connected by common networks, they are connected in one important sense. They are bound together by the single evil ideology of Islamist extremism that preaches hatred, sows division, and promotes sectarianism. It is an ideology that claims our Western values of freedom, democracy, and human rights are incompatible with the religion of Islam. It is an ideology that is a perversion of Islam and a perversion of the truth. Now, actually, I'd be much happier if she got a whole bunch of Islamic scholars on to, to go into great detail about how all the things that she talked about are a perversion of Islam. I'd really like to see that mapped out in more detail, because everyone says it, but I'm not sure I fully follow how, and I'd like to be enlightened and learn more about it. 
Theresa May went on to say, Defeating this ideology is one of the great challenges of our time, but it cannot be defeated through military intervention alone. It will not be defeated through the maintenance of a permanent defensive counter-terrorism operation, however skillful its leaders and practitioners. It will only be defeated, she said, when we turn people's minds away from this violence and make them understand that our values, pluralistic British values, are superior to anything offered by the preachers and supporters of hate. Second, we cannot allow this ideology the safe space it needs to breed. Yet that is precisely what the Internet and the big companies that provide Internet-based services provide. We need to work with allied democratic governments to reach international agreements that regulate cyberspace to prevent the spread of extremism and terrorist planning. And we need to do everything we can at home to reduce the risks of extremism online. Now, do you remember the neighbor who was talking about one of these suspected terrorists, that there were people in robes going in and out of his apartment? You know, Teresa, his hallway is not the internet. The mosques where some of this stuff may be preached, not the internet. This is not going, you start regulating the internet, clamping down of a police state examination of everything that's going on in the internet. It's not going to affect the jihadists. You got proxies, you got the dark web, you got encryption. All they're going to do is hide. Vanish. And you're going to end up chasing a bunch of people. We all know how this is going to turn out. Start regulating the internet. (sighs) You know, like if you're the British police, would you rather monitor some nice person, some concerned citizen's criticism of your immigration, your government's immigration policy, or would you rather go into some no-go zone and try and arrest someone? Huh. I wonder which way they're going to turn. Yeah, the problem is not the internet companies. But... It's easier to target the internet companies because they're not going to get that mad at you, right? Let's go find the internet companies and give them stern lectures and pass laws. Well, they're going to comply. They're going to obey. They're going to do the reasonable thing. So once more, we have the most reasonable people in the room being the ones who are the most controlled, attacked, and vilified. Cowardly. Cowardly. Theresa May went on to say, Third, While we need to deprive the extremists of their safe spaces online, we must not forget about the safe spaces that continue to exist in the real world. Yes, that means taking military action to destroy ISIS in Iraq and Syria, but it also means taking action here at home. Now, there is an argument to be made, it's not a bad one, that it is an excess of state power that has provoked this kind of problem. An excess of state power in terms of the welfare state, as we know migrants generally go to the welfare state. These guys aren't migrants, I understand that, but an excess of the welfare state um, giving money to people who immigrate, even though they've never paid into the tax system, is one of the reasons why people from the third world come to the first world, one of the main reasons. So you've got a lot of state power in redistributing income. You've got a lot of state power in launching all these bombs and missiles and attacks and so on, overthrowing foreign governments as the CIA has done regularly. So it is an excess of state power that has, according to some, provoked some of these huge problems. And now, what's being proposed? Well, more bombings, more taxation, more military aggression, uh, and more monitoring of the internet. So, hey, just as has happened all throughout history, the problems that result from an excess of state power, hey, you know what the government says to solve them? Let's create more straight state power. Where, where does this end? Well, I think we all know. She goes on to say, While we have made significant progress in recent years, there is, to be frank, far too much tolerance of extremism in our country. 
So we need to become far more robust in identifying it and stamping it out across the public sector and across society. I mean, aren't there laws against inciting violence already? Can't, can't you just go and find people who are inciting violence and throw them in jail? I mean, after, after a legitimate trial and so on? I mean, what more do you need? I, I mean, you already have all these tools. They're not enough. We need more tools. How you see this is the point. Bring in destabilizing elements and grow the government. It's a story as old as government. She goes on to say, that will require some difficult and often embarrassing conversations, but the whole of our country needs to come together to take on this extremism, and we need to live our lives not in a series of separated, segregated communities, but as one truly united kingdom. The welfare state promotes this segregation because you come to the country and you don't have to integrate economically. You don't have to get a job. You don't have to learn the culture. You don't even have to learn the language. You can just sit on welfare, pump out kids, and get paid for by the British taxpayer. So... If you want to break down, like if you want multiculturalism, you want diversity, you can't have a welfare state. I mean, one or the other. One or the other. But uh, nobody wants to talk about that. See, you can send men off to war to go and fight. But if women have to give up the welfare state, well, apparently that's just a bridge too far. Those kind of sacrifices, good Lord, can't be conceived of. She says, fourth, we have a robust counterterrorism strategy that has proved successful over many years. But as the nature of the threat we face becomes more complex, more fragmented, more hidden, especially online, the strategy needs to keep up. How about just not immigrate? Like, like, how about just less immigration or no immigration? How about that? That's one possibility to at least try and you know, wait for, you know, when you have a meal, you don't have another meal right away. It's not healthy, right? So you take a whole bunch of people who are having trouble adapting to your society and you wait to see if it's going to work or not before you bring in more people. You're, and you have an answer. Brexit was about borders and immigration. Let's not kid anyone about what it was about. It was about borders and immigration. You have your answer. And it wasn't, hey, you know it would be great if you start monitoring everything on the internet and start bombing more Muslim countries? That would be excellent. That was not what the referendum was about. Theresa May went on to say, so in light of what we are learning about the changing threat, we need to review Britain's counterterrorism strategy to make sure the police and security services have all the powers they need. Yep. More powers of intrusion, more powers of monitoring. Won't they, don't you remember, oh, we've got cameras all over the streets in London and other places in England. That's really going to help us with crime. She goes on to say, and if we need to increase the length of custodial sentences for terrorism-related offences, even apparently less serious offences, that is what we will do. Since the emergence of the threat from Islamist-inspired terrorism, our country has made significant progress in disrupting plots and protecting the public. Right, so throw a bunch of radicals, Islamists, in in prison. Hey, you know what they're going to do there? It's really not that hard to figure out. It's been well documented. You know what they're going to do there, Teresa? They're going to radicalize other people in prison. It's really not that complicated. You might need to rethink that one if you have any interest in actually solving the problem. She goes on to say, but it is time to say enough is enough. Everybody needs to go about their lives as they normally would. What? Enough is enough. We need to change. But everyone needs to go about their lives as they normally would. (sighs) Well, what that means is we want more power over you. We want to control you more. We want to monitor you more. 
but we don't want you to actually ask us to do things that are going to solve the problem. She goes on to say, our society should continue to function in accordance with our values. But when it comes to taking on extremism and terrorism, things need to change. As a mark of respect, the two political parties have suspended our national campaigns for today. No, it's not a mark of respect, it's a mark of fear. When the policies of the government have produced this level of terrorism in the UK, then suspending your campaigns for a day, people need answers, they want answers, they sure as hell want better answers than this. Remember Jeremy Corbyn said, they're not going to disrupt our democracy. Well, no, no, it's right before an election, I'm going to take some time off because terrorist attack. It's like they have no concept of what they're saying. It's just like a blur of nowness. Speaking in tongues, move on, make sounds, calm down the population, make sure nobody asks for any real change. Calm them with soothing syllables, move on. Completely contradict what I'm saying with what I'm doing, but who cares? Media's going to cover for me. She said, but violence can never be allowed to disrupt the democratic process. So those campaigns will resume in full tomorrow. The general election will go ahead as planned on Thursday. As a country, our response must be as it has always been when we have been confronted by violence. We must come together. We must pull together and united. We will take on and defeat our enemies. Words, words, words. So, yeah, people want borders in England. People want borders in a lot of different places. You can see the studies online. People want borders Just take a break from immigration. See how it's going to work. That's one possibility, right? It's perfectly fine. You know, I can't help but think. And I was actually in, I grew up in London and um, I left in 77. And already there were sort of waves of Pakistanis in particular coming in. uh, For reasons that at the time I thought I understood. And um, now I think I understood on a, I understand on a whole different level. Now, if people have been told back in the day, if they had been told, just, you know, with, as, as with Ted Kennedy's 1965 immigration bill, if people had been told about the demographic and religious and political changes that were going to occur as a result of these decisions, if people had been told ahead of time, oh, London is going to become minority white, uh, you're going to get regular terrorism, you're going to get a growing police state, there are going to be armies on the streets, your tax bills are going to go up enormously, your healthcare system is going to get entirely clogged. All of this is going to be coming... For you. And this is going to be your future. Would people have said yes to that? I, I, I can't imagine. And so if you wouldn't have said yes to something, why not just say no to it later? If it's possible. Everybody knows that the big problem is political correctness. That you can't identify basic facts or you feel fearful to identify basic facts because you're afraid of being called a racist or a far right or whatever it is, right? These terms are meaningless, and uh, I hope I think they're kind of wearing out. Uh, that this gun is overheated and is melted to some degree, and so the internet is the last stand against political correctness. Very little of what is actually discussed on the internet would ever float up through the leftist filters of the mainstream media in England or in other places. The internet is the last stand against the political correctness that is choking off the lifeblood of discussion that could save the West. So why target the internet? You know, there's so many ironies that are just horrifying about all of this. Like, hey, West, you created the internet. You created something fantastic. The modern equivalent of the Gutenberg Press allows you to share information all across the world instantaneously. It's fantastic. Wonderful job creating the internet. Oh, bad people are using it. 
And so, sorry, good people who created the internet, you can't have your great stuff anymore. Now we've clamped down, we've got a monitor. Good job creating great stuff, West. Now it's going to be used against you. Oh, here's another one. Good job, West, in creating the internal combustion engine. It allows us to power cars and it allows us to power combine harvesters and machinery that allows us to feed the world, allows the world to feed itself. Good job. Now, after you're weakened at the end of the Second World War, Middle Eastern government's going to take over all of that wonderful productivity now because there are environmentalists at home that won't let you produce much energy at home. You've got to shovel trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars over to the Middle East so that they can use it to fund an expansion of their ideologies. So good job creating the internal combustion engine and helping the world feed itself. And now it's all going to be used against you. And some people, uh, you can see this, and you saw this in particular with um, Trump pulling the U.S. out of the Paris Accord recently. It is genuinely true, and you can see this on the Internet. There are people more concerned that the white van is running on fossil fuels than who it's running over. Climate change. I think things are just a little bit more immediate right now. And hey, if you solve immigration, then you stop taking from the third world, you stop taking people from low footprint environments and putting them in a very high environmental footprints environment. It's wonderful for global warming. Everything that has been chosen, everything that has passed into policy, everything that has been done can be undone. This capacity to change things, to restore things, to take things back that didn't go the way they were promised, this capacity will not last forever. Demographics, birth rates are very, very clear. It really is. It's now or never. It's now or never. And so I say to all people who want freedom, who want property rights, who want freedom of conscience, who want freedom of speech, peacefully, reasonably, resolutely, courageously. Take your countries back. <laughs>